Welcome to the Job Search Podcast with your host, John Rivero, where we will be interviewing leading industry experts to help you get the job that you want. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Rivero, your host, and our special guest this week is Heather Arthur. She is an executive with one of Canada's largest telecoms, but she is also known as the Magnetic Culture Builder. And why I brought her on to this episode of the podcast is because I, I want her to share some of her insights on what she's looking for when she's hiring people for her team. I know one of the things that she gets praised for is how well her team performs. Everybody, I think your teams as a whole are high performing teams. And if you can get just a snippet of what that looks like and what it takes to be successful in an interview with somebody like Heather, I know that's going to add a lot of value to to you and and to your job process and to your interview. So Heather, welcome to the show. John, thank you. you. As you know, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, culture and bringing the right team members together. So I can't wait to share that with your audience. Yeah, awesome. I'm so excited. And I'm laughing because I'm looking at Heather. We're in the room together. But I know she's she's got this energy that just infectious. And, and when you're around her, it's like, wow, you're just like, woo. I know, I gotta stop now. I'm, I'm getting like, um, what's the words people use? Uh, I'm crushing, but I'm not crushing. Uh, you know what? This is professional. We're I, I professional. think you're already <laughs> capturing one of the things that people should do is that they should bring maximum energy to the work that they do, but also to an interview. Wow. Maximum energy really helps people uh, connect with you. So, you know, the fact that we're connecting and doing this podcast together, uh, the energy's in the room together, but I, I hope that your audience can feel how amazing that energy is. And that's what we're going to talk about, how to create that in an interview process. So perfect. So, so so you, let's lead right into this. So if Absolutely. somebody, as you're interviewing people, like I, and, and really typically when a person shows up in front of you, they've gone through the recruiting process, so they've gone through the ATS, they've gone through the recruiting process, and now they're sitting across the table from you. And I know that a lot of people, maybe you don't think about this, but you really only have like five to 10 seconds to make that very first impression. So what is the ideal first impression that you look for when you're interviewing somebody and they're sitting across the table from you? Yeah, you know what, the, the first thing that I want to take a step back at is that the moment that you take a step into the door of the building, the interview process has started. Because you're going to interact with people, it might be a security guard, might be someone that's going to bring you to the interview room, uh, there's going to be people that you're going to smile with, there's going to be, all of that is happening. And what you want to make sure you do first is not let the, your nerves get the best of you even in those moments because all of those people are people that you'll interact every day if you're successful so that's step one is make sure that when you step into the building you understand the interview has started and the culture that you're joining you're getting a feel of right away but you're also contributing to that the next thing that I would say is uh, as you're walking, the steps that you're taking into that building, the steps that you're taking towards an, a room or wherever the interviewer is going to take you to have that interview process, how are you walking when you get there? And you know, you might think, well, what do you mean, how am I walking? I, I'm just walking normally. I walk mm -hmm. with one foot in front of the other, right? Well, uh, that's, that's how you walk. That's that how, how we all walk. walk. What I want to highlight is that, that that walk is so important that you're looking up, that you have your chin up, and you're looking around, and you're making eye contact with people, very, very purposely making eye contact. You also want to probably have a smile. And the shoulders back is really important. So you kind of want to stand taller than, mm -hmm. you know, a, a real tall tall stance and what that will do is it, it 
it signals to everyone with your body language that you want to be there, mm -hmm. that you want to be part of that team and that you are excited about being there, but also signals that you have a, a, a level of confidence in who you are as a person and that you can contribute to that culture. And that is a, a, a subliminal message or a body language message that you're telepathing out to everyone that you want to be heard before you even have any words said in that interview. So I think those two steps are really important and often missed as people come in because they're still sort of struggling with their nerves a little bit. They might be rustling with their keys or their resume or, or a folder and they're missing the opportunity to make that eye contact, to stand up straight and to really participate in the environment around them before they even walk in. Yeah. So what I'm actually hearing, and, and I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is to really just be present in the room with the person and, and just being aware and be present, which means turning off everything. The one thing I always talk about is don't watch the news. You know, you'll sit in the lobby somewhere and they'll CP24 is playing on, not CP24, but news is playing on the television. And, you know, that's what will attract your eye. That's what you'll end up paying attention to pay attention to everything else because that's really what's going to make the big difference for you because everybody else is watching TV, but you're present in the room and you're looking at the people around you. So that's a great tip. And that's even before you walk into the room. Yeah, before you're even there. Uh, you know, uh, one other tip, you know, before you even get out of your car, take a look in your rearview mirror and smile at yourself <laughs> because you're about to do something pretty amazing for yourself. But if you don't believe it, your smile, then no one else will. So give yourself a smile before you even get out of the car and then do those next two things. So is that one of the things that you do every morning when you get up? You know what? I, 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 I I don't always smile the first thing that I do in the mirror, but if I did, I can tell you my days would be definitely better than they are. Um, but I, I do do that checkpoint before I'm gonna be in a place of influence, where I'm gonna be talking to an audience or doing a keynote speech. You know, I'm making sure that my body language is as best it can be, that my facial expressions is, is saying, I wanna be here. And that also, um, uh, that I have a curiosity and a, mm. and a fun vibe around me. Yeah, no, that curiosity is actually really important. It's what keeps you open to, to whatever comes. So that's great. So we, we picked up the person. Actually, we're, it's almost like we're walking through this. I can visualize it in my mind. I'm being picked up in the lobby. Hey, Heather, it's nice to meet you. We're making some eye contact. We're walking. I'm using my body language to really show that I'm confident because your physiology has a lot to do with it. it and sure then is. I walk into the room with you. Yeah. So what are you looking for next as soon as I'm in the room? Yeah, so I, I'm looking for someone that is, again, making that eye contact, whether it be with one person that's in the interview room, sometimes you might be in a panel situation where you're talking to multiple people, that you wanna spend time making that eye contact and acknowledging them. Um, you also wanna say back their name, right? So everybody, including ourselves, love to hear our name. So if you can acknowledge who's in the room, hopefully you've done the research already on LinkedIn or, or other resources to find out more about that person. So if you have anything that you can connect already, do that now. So if they've if they've written an article, if you've seen known something from the previous interview, you might want to say, I've been so looking forward to meet you and I can't wait to uh, learn more about, about the culture because I read your article on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So if there is that little tidbit, show them that you've already done your research. And here's a true story, and this is how Heather and I first met. And, and it goes back, you know, talking about finding that, that tidbit of information to make that connection. Uh, I actually connected with Heather, 
four years ago because she I, I'd been following her for a while on LinkedIn and I was seeing some of the stuff that she was doing and she had an interaction with Steve Wozniak and that's what I used to leverage the conversation between us yeah. and that was like three years ago so there is a lot of value in, in terms of what you're speaking to because that's, that's something and an approach that I used myself that actually connected me with you yeah so and- you're you're so right um just you want to keep it short right because the interviewer has a very limited amount of time Mm -hmm. so keep it short or just a statement as opposed to a question so that would be my two cents on that one all right good so what would be next so so we're having a good conversation we're making eye contact i've mentioned something hey i read one of your posts or i saw one of your uh, articles on linkedin or on some other profile what would you look for next in terms of making that connection to to kind of filter out whether or not they're the right person for you and your team and your department? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what happens next is as an interviewee, you sit down and you kind of wait for instructions. And uh, that is an okay thing to do. It is not the best thing to do because if you're waiting for instructions, think about how that translates into the interviewer thinking about you as, will this person be able to take charge and make connections or do something on their own? So, and and you might be thinking, well, of course I'm waiting for them to start the interview. You may want to say something like, I can't wait to get started. I've done two interviews already. I should learn so much about your company. I can't wait to hear the questions and answer them for you today. Mm. And now you're actually saying, let's get started. You're excited to be there. And now you've covered that first minute, minute and a half of interaction with the interviewee. And that impression has been solidified of who you are Mm. with that company. And now that, that perception of who you are will be filtered into your answers. Wow. And it actually shows a lot of your personality as well, right? Like you just said, it's like, let's, you're the one who leads, right? And one of the things I know, especially you as somebody in your position, you're looking for leaders to join your team. Yeah. And, and you want to know that you have a person that has the capability to walk into any type of environment and say, all right, let's get to, let's get to work essentially, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so what else would you be looking for or what other key indicators would you look for to determine whether or not a person is the right fit for you? Yeah. So now we start asking some questions mm-hmm. to uncover that. And, you know, the, the thing that I'm looking for is does the person, um, are they able to understand what they were really good at? And are they also able to understand what they need to improve on? And that self-awareness is really, really important to me, but not necessarily in that that generalized question, what's what's your strengths and what's your opportunities, Mm -hmm. more so in all of the answers they give. So for example, if I ask, you know, tell me about a time when you were able to solve a problem and it didn't work out for you, do they in the answer give me examples where listen, I did this and this was the solution that really worked, but I also eliminated two other ideas in when I was looking at what possibly could happen. Mm-hmm. And that elimination of, of what they didn't do is just as important as what they did do. Because it shows me that they actually did an assessment, they looked at the pros and cons, and they decided that A was the best op- option, where B and C wasn't such a great option, but you know, even if they had learnings from A, they actually had more than one option in front of them. So if you have examples where you're solving a problem, uh, talk about the decision-making that you went through as you solved that problem, as opposed to just the end result of what happened in that, that scenario. 
Yeah, and actually that to me is a very different type of perspective instead of just having one situation, how you work through it. And, I, and, and, and to be clear, the type of people you typically recruit are people that you would have on your team are managers and above, right? Correct. So these aren't like first level roles, like these are people who are trying to get into management because you're an executive, so you're hiring for your team uh, or above. So Correct. this is what you want to see from your people. And to say, hey, we tried this and this worked, but you know, there are two other things that we were also going to try and we eliminated because, yeah, no, totally. That is. Wow, it's completely a different way to respond back to that type of question. It is, and people shy away from that part of the answer because that's not what they actually did. So you just want to spend a little bit of time of, of why you didn't do mm -hmm. a certain thing. Because sometimes when you're explaining a scenario that you've been a part of that is a success story, um, th that same scenario might not have been a success story in the company that you're interviewing for. So, And they might have tried the other two options. So you want to make sure you fill in those blanks for how you came to that decision. So this is great. So what we're going to do, because I love this point, and actually I want to add, you, I want to ask you the, the, the reverse of that. So would you ever, and we'll talk about this when we come back from the break, but would you ever talk about an experience that wasn't successful? Absolutely. So we'll talk about that when we get back from the break. So we'll just take a quick minute and we'll be right back. If you're looking for a simple way to get more job interviews at the top companies in Canada, then check out how I got three job offers just two weeks after starting my job search, and two promotions within three years after that. Even without local experience or exceptional qualifications, I use a secret formula that will get hiring executives to notice your online job application. I break it all down for you at CanadianJobSearchGuide.com. Welcome back to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Ribeiro and I'm here with Heather Arthur, the Magnetic Culture Builder. And today we're talking about what it takes to be magnetic in your interview so you get hired. And where we left off, you talked about how to be, how to present an idea where you were successful and then prevent to present two other options. And where we left off is, would you ever do the reverse? So would you ever provide a response where you were not successful? Mm. So tell me a little bit about that and, and what you would be looking for. Yeah, the, um, the art of being vulnerable is something that um, when you're able to show it in an interview, we know or I know that you'll also be vulnerable as a leader. And vulnerability is one of those scary places to go, especially in an interview because you want the job, but also as a leader because it, it makes you feel that you might not have been successful. But what I know for a fact, and there's lots of data and research to back this up, is that when a leader can be, show vulnerability, the trust level on their team goes up because they can see themselves in that person so easily. So in my business, most of the time, I'm hiring leaders that are going to be leading other people. And I want the whole team to feel that the leader that is leading them actually has lived in or walked in their shoes or has also had learning opportunities and that they're pushing themselves so hard for that next set of goals that they want to achieve that sometimes they've had failures because it's it's not in success that we learn where our strengths are it's in the moments of failing or learning from those failures that we grow the most and it, any leader that says, I'm always successful, tells me that they're actually not pushing themselves out of their comfort zone, they're not pushing themselves to exceed targets, and they're really living in a place that they're always going to be successful. And let's face it, 
I don't know anyone at my level that's always successful. <laughs> so I need someone to really be honest about that piece yeah. of it. And then what do they do about it? What did they? What actions did they take? Did they wait till someone else gave them the feedback, or did they see the writing on the wall, take action, and do something about it? So when you're asked that question, or when you need to give an example where you're not meeting expectations, how did? How quickly did you know? What did you use as data to tell yourself that it's not working? And did you take action right away? And who did you involve to solve the problem with? Those attributes tell me that you are able to foresee what the future is going to look like, how your contribution is not helping or helping, and then impact the business in a different way. And then, of course, if you can also add in what the financial impacts are to that decision, it really helps bring the full picture or your full both business acumen and financial acumen to the answer. Nice. Yeah, and that's actually really important. It's those little finer points that actually say, hey, we tried this, and this was the result of what we tried to do. So. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, and I love it that you, you, you broke it down into a way where, you know, show that vulnerability. And this is uh, one of the famous authors that I've learned about, Brene Brown. She talks about your strength is actually in your vulnerability. So it, it definitely it's key. And I know a lot of people, they get scared around this. So how, so as I think about this, as a, as a candidate, you know, do I really want to show that, I, do I really want to expose that vulnerability? I, when I look at who I would hire, and I have two candidates that on resume have the same attributes that on that uh, you know from a education and a job experience are neck and neck, the person that I'm going to hire is the person that showed me that they can be human, and that they can lead other human beings that they can make connections both in body language, in language, and part of that connection is building trust and to be that is vulnerable. So out of those two candidates, I would pick the person that I felt was the most human in that interview. Wow. So the most human, I hope you heard that. That is actually a really important point because I think we, we get so stuck up with numbers and data and experiences, and but we forget to bring the human side to things. So this is great. So you provide some really great points. Is there anything else that you're looking for from a candidate while they're still in front of you? Because sometimes an interview might be 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever that time is. Is there anything else that you're looking for specifically in a candidate to make them successful? Absolutely. So, you know, most of the time there's there's time at the interview for the candidate to ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, and because it's usually a, a second or third or even a fourth interview be before they're interviewing with me, um, they've they, they sometimes have exhausted all of the questions. So you never want to leave an interview without asking some sort of question. Mm -hmm. The one that I think works the best or at least gets the conversation um, flowing really easily is, why do you love working here? When a candidate asks me, why do I love working here? It tells me that they are interested in me as a person, but the culture as well, because that's a culture question that they're asking. And it gives us a chance to uh, share with them what, what excites us every day. And 
a set, and then they can actually add back in to say, oh, that is exactly what I'm looking for in my in an employer. So it really leaves a positive note at, for the end of the interview, but it also is a place where they can inject and say, that's exactly what I'm looking for too. Mm-hmm. And now they leave feeling like, I can't wait to work here. And I am thinking, I can't wait for them to start. So it really solidifies and closes it off uh, a lot less clinical than some interviews do. Some interviews close off, well, okay, we'll contact you on this day or you'll hear from the next step. And you th- that needs to be done in the concept, but the feeling is how we leave. The interview is the most important. So so you touched on a, an important word, and I think this is a word that people shy away from. And it's that word love, mm. right? So. So I don't know. So so is that okay in a in a corporate working environment today? Because I know if I were thinking about ten or fifteen years ago, when I applied for my first job and I said, Hey, I love, I wanna be there, that you know, people would kinda like, Who is this person? Why is he so touchy feely? Do we really want him as part of our organization? Is that kind of language appropriate today in today's culture, in today's l- corporate environment? I I personally think it is. I think the word love um, in a corporate environment, of course, has a different meaning than in your your home life or with your spouse or with your kids. It, but it evokes that feeling of hey, you something happens to you when you come to the workplace, and how does that make you feel? So I think it's very appropriate to use that word in a business sense when you're talking about how that person feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think we should use the word love more and more in the workplace. Um, there's lots of things that I love about my job, and the more I talk about that, the more people will get excited to be on the team to to achieve the goals that we're achieving. Because, of course, if you're joining a high-performing team, you're going to be a high performer. So you got to really love what you do, and I think it's an appropriate word to yeah. use in the business. Yeah. Good, good. So, yeah, I've, wow. so you've provided us some, with some really great insights and tips in terms of what you need to do to be successful in the room. Is there anything that you're looking for after the person leaves the room? Mm. Right. So I know being in the room and, you know, two things, actually. One thought that comes to my mind is, you know, I, I'm also interviewing you to make sure that you're the boss that I want to work for. And that's what you covered with really understanding culture. But once you leave the room, is there anything that you're looking for specifically from a candidate to do to to kind of make that impression a little bit stronger? That's a great thing. Um, you know, if you look on on the internet, they'll tell you you can send a thank you letter. You can follow up with a voicemail. Um, you can do those things. What I would highly recommend is do not use a form letter for any of that kind mm-hmm. of communication. So if you're um, your regular communication with that company or with the recruiter has been via email, then email is the right way to go. If it's been text message, then then follow the same communication pattern that has already been established, but do not use a form letter. So send back a thank you for your time and use a moment of the interview to relate back to why you want to work there or why you can't wait to hear back from them or any of the other thing. But Mm -hmm. it has to be why should they remember who you are? And so you have to link it right back to what happened in that interview or what was discussed. This is not the time to list out all of your uh, successes or why you're going to be a best fit. This is a point to say, this is what I loved about our interaction Mm -hmm. together. And that's the human connection that you're going to make with that person that's going to read that note. It should be short and sweet. So that would be a next step that is uh, an easy one to take. 
do not wait for 48 hours. It should be within hours of your interview ending. So within hours. So hours. I hope you're all hearing this. It's within hours. You send a thank you note and you find something specific in the conversation to insert into that note and why you really want to be there. So Heather, this has been great. Thank you. Uh, if there's um, actually just um, if people wanted to learn more about you and connect with you as we're coming to the end of our podcast. Uh, if people wanted to learn more about you, connect with you, where could they go and get that information? Absolutely. I'd love to connect with any like-minded individuals. Talking about culture is one of my favorite things. So it's Heather Arthur on LinkedIn. Um, and you can see my articles. You can see some videos there. Um, and reach out. I'd love to hear how you feel about uh, any messages or any questions you might have. Perfect. Hey, I'll make sure I include the link in the show notes so you have a copy of that. And uh, I, actually, Heather's got a great video that she just did recently with... Um, uh, Greater Toronto Area Contact Centers. Yeah. Yes, the GTA, GTACC. Yep. I think, yeah, GTACC. I don't know what the full name is. I always go back <laughs> to the acronym. All good. <laughs> but she's got a great video there. And I and just even in your articles that you've written up for LinkedIn as well. And, and this is part of your research. Like if you want to get to know people and what they do, this is where you're going to go. So LinkedIn, I'll make sure I include a note. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for all the insights. I know the people listening to this are going to get so much value from it. So thank you for your time today, Heather. Thanks, John, and thanks to all the listeners for spending this time with us. All right, and that is it for this episode of the Canadian Job Search Podcast. Wishing you all a great night. Ciao.